0: Uh, good morning, uh, as should be the custom, good morning, and uh, to those of you who um, will um, join us uh, via I- online, we want to welcome you and give you a warm embrace on behalf of Clovis EV Free, and thank you for joining us, and for those of you that are here on, uh, uh, in person, thank you for being here. Now, I have to start by saying, wasn't it an awesome day yesterday? Um, As I sat in the discipleship class this uh, morning, uh, very briefly, I I heard the words that David uh, Booth was talking and and, and instructing those of us that are taking the discipleship class. And just a quick announcement, um, if you want to learn more about what it is to be a follower of Jesus, every Sunday at 9 a.m., here next door in the fellowship hall in the educational building, we'll wait for you. Um, We're studying through a book right now. It's called The Way. It's in a series of five, series, of five different books. Uh, come join and come learn. Um, we're all eager to find out what the Bible teaches about following Jesus and what that means in our life. But a big shout out to all of you um, who participated with Candy. I saw some of you guys were moving tables. Some of you ladies also were just out and about. Uh, You know, there's no way to quantify how many people we had there. But last night, uh, a few of us got together and we were talking and they handed out over 400 bags of candies. That is impressive. I I, I mean, we're a church of 69 members, and yet God does phenomenal things by multiplication. Uh, The involvement of all the, the, you know, okay, so here, let me go through just a few names here very quickly. Greg and Tony Campbell, thank you. Right? The missions team, you and your team did a phenomenal job organizing. You know what? None of this would be possible without you or your team. And we have to say and give, give, give acknowledgement where where it's due. And then um, uh, not only to to Greg and Tony and, and their whole team, but, hey, Greg Richards, thank you so much in men's ministry thank you so much your relationship to the car clubs that is phenomenal i mean and We had other car clubs come in at the last minute, and that was phenomenal because uh, the Caesar I was like, you should have played Carlos Santana, right, at 7 p.m. when all these, like, Impalas started rolling in, right? <laughs> but, but, but you know what? That's okay. That's okay. You know, we, 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 we got through it, and, and, you know, we're learning, and next year we want to make this bigger, and we want to invite the police department, we want to invite the fire department, and you know what? I, I didn't get. I have to confess here. I love to confess a lot. But I have to get. I didn't make it to invite the the fire department. I don't know if any of you did, but they were here last night. They were checking out our event, and I introduced myself. I even took a picture with them. And I said, "Man, we want to form a partnership with you." And 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 I believe this glorifies God. And then and then not. Not least, even at last but not least, okay. I bragged about them, you know. Yesterday, you know, um, Fyb Ben, thank you, and Caesar, thank you for leading that. That, that was phenomenal. You know, I, I, I have to, I have to tell you, you know, when the when the when the Clovis Police Department chaplain showed up, she goes. Who is that playing over there? And I have to say, you know, I, I struggle with pride, so I lifted up, you know, like my collars out there. That's my worship leader. <laughs> and, and so it's like she goes all like, oh, that is that is phenomenal, friends. Music has a way of just waking up the emotions in us, and God created us that way. And you know what? It's a beautiful way we can celebrate and really just be out there. And again, I can't stress enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the candies, the pumpkins. We ran out of pumpkins, and some of the guys got together. They went to go get about 80 more pumpkins, and I think all together we were left with about 10 of them. And so uh, thank you. That is just a gesture to our community of what God's doing through your lives. And it's a privilege and an honor for Soshi and I to be here and, and to be called lead pastor, you know, here at this church. And you know what? Better days ahead. Better days ahead for the glory and honor of God. Okay, friends, enough commercials because I got to get into the text. All right, so if you need a Bible, there's Bibles there in in your front seats. Please feel free to uh, grab one. Uh, We're doing a study through the book of Colossians, and we are not in a hurry. In fact, you know, I've been tempted and wrestling, you know, hey, maybe I need to speed things up. And God says, slow it down. There's no need to run through this. Let's let the word of God speak to us. Let's let the spirit of God speak to his church, the local body. And I hope in in your lives this morning, you too receive a word from the Lord, not a word from Pastor Pablo, but a word from the Lord that would encourage you, that will build you up in Christ. That is our theme here. And we sound like a broken record and we're okay with that. It's like, can't you guys get past the in Christ thing? No. No. Because without Christ and and because of Christ and with Christ, that's who we are. We have our our identity, our being, and everything that we hope to aspire in life will be because of the supremacy of Christ in our heart and in the life of our community. And we let that manifest in three ways. We want to love God, we want to love people, and we want to make disciples. And that's it. That's the whole... I just revealed the secret of the church. (laughs) That's what we're all about. That's what we want to talk about. That's what our leadership is excited about. And we hope that you would join us and become excited. Now, I know some of you are here from the festival yesterday. And you know what, church? Can we give them an applause? Uh, We're not going to single them out. But you know what? They are visiting our church today, and we want you to feel welcome to be part of us. Now, let's jump into the text. We're In the book of Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, again, it might seem like we've been in this verse for a while, but we have, and we kicked it off last week, but today we're going to focus on a different part of this text, and this is how the Word of the Lord speaks to us. And so, from the day we heard, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience, and here, here, here's the qualification here, with joy, with joy. Okay, so um, friends, this is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord for us today. May we be recipient to listen and glean from its wisdom and knowledge and application for our lives. Now, the first thing that I, 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 as I started unpacking this, um, I want to focus on verse 10 and 11 this morning. And so, some of the first phrases that you will read, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Hence, walking worthy of the Lord is the title of this message. Walking worthy of the Lord. Now, you may want to um, do a little bit of research on this, but uh, this is a metaphor. Paul is borrowing a metaphor from the Old Testament, and so you have to consider what the Old Testament and the Jewish traditions what they thought about when they heard the word walking. Right? We, I, I remember, um, for some of us who are old enough, we'll remember Pacific Bell. That used to be a telephone company. They had their symbol was like two two fingers walking. Right? So walking that that's the that's the imagery here. So we we um, need to understand that we need to be actively walking in the Lord. But not just walking in the Lord. Here, there's a qualification. We need to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So we need, notice this, we don't come to Jesus and say, okay, Lord, now I'm going to sit in my blessed assurance, and I'm going to relax, and now I'm secure. Jesus wants us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So Christianity is not a religion to be passive. Christianity is a religion to be active, to be in movement. In fact, God is a God of movement. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, from cover to cover, you're going to read an active story of God's redemptive love towards humankind. That means he loves you, he loves me, he loves all peoples, every language, every tribe, every tongue, every ethnic group is represented there, that God loves us. And so, here it is. One more thing here. We have to remember, this is a prayer. It started in verse 3, and it goes all the way to verse 23. And two things in this prayer. It's a prayer, and it's a prayer of Thanksgiving. This is why we've been talking about Thanksgiving. Not just because it's the season of Thanksgiving and we're about to enter into Thanksgiving, but this is a prayer of Thanksgiving. So, what does that mean to us? It means it's not prescriptive. It's descriptive. The Bible here isn't telling us what we should do. It's describing a prayer that Paul made for the believers of Colossae. So, he's, you know, this is amazing because why Was this prayer so important for all the heresy and the challenges of the church in Colossae? Well, even though it's descriptive, I suggest there are lessons that we as believers in the 21st century can draw from this text. There are things that we can learn and apply even in our own prayer life. Even in our own consideration that we intercede before the Lord, but we could do it with thanksgiving. And I think those are, are two words. Our society is, is, is experiencing um, a shortage of thanksgiving. We, 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 you know. Again, I, I mentioned this several ways. You go to the store, and nobody opens up the door. I, I've been teaching this to my sons for years. When you go to the door, you open the door for somebody. Show kindness. When, when, when we get in the car, open the door for your mother. And so those types of things we want to say, people aren't thankful anymore. Hey, you go to the store, and they give you a bad look, and the are like, who do you think you are? Right? You know, the attitude thing. And there's no like, hey, man, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for serving. Thank you for, for and, and, and so this is what he's like just instilling and instilling. Now, here, here's what this means in Jewish thought. Okay, because this is where Paul is driving this. And, and, and mainly, he's driving this from a lifestyle or one leading his life. That's how you would literally read, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. He's, he's basically saying, live a life in a manner worthy of the Lord or lead a life. You know, another big thing in the 21st century, nobody wants to be called leaders. Everybody's afraid of lead. That's like a cuss word. Like, oh, you said leader? Oh, no, 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 not me. I don't want to be a leader. No, forget that. What they're saying is that they don't want responsibility. But here, Paul is basically saying, hey, you need to lead a life in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so, this, this has to do with loving the Lord. It, it means, it, the, the, the Hebrew word today, I don't like to throw out the, the, the original language, but, but I thought this was funny, or it had a funny song. The, the Hebrew word to walk is halak. All right, halak. I read that like, whoa, halak. All right, I can speak Hebrew now. But, but, but no, it basically means walk in obedience to God. That's basically what he's saying. And then Paul borrowed this from Deuteronomy 11.22. You can turn there, you can read it, or you can just write the reference. But look what Deuteronomy 11.22 says this. It says, For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking, halak, walking in all His ways and holding fast to him, that was from Deuteronomy eleven twenty two. So this is again, he's instilling in his prayer. I have a feeling or a suspicion that Paul is being very doctrinal in his prayer. It's like, have you ever read, have you ever heard uh, somebody pray? Sometimes I'm guilty of this as a pastor. I have to confess. Sometimes I'll be praying, and then I get theological in my prayer. Oh God, thank you for you are sovereign and you are, and then I start getting very. That's what Paul's doing here. He's getting very theological in his prayer. And there's something rich in the theology of this prayer that we need to draw in our lives. And that's, in essence, what he is doing. Again, now part of the heresy of Colossi was, was it Eastern religion infiltrating, Eastern mysticism infiltrating into the church? perhaps. Perhaps, and perhaps, Paul was laying a foundation. If pagans appreciated the importance of rendering worship that is worthy of their deities, how much more should Christians be more aware of walking in a manner that would be worthy of the Lord? If pagans do that, I mean, you've all seen Buddhism. You've all seen different forms of religion, Uh, even the Jehovah's Witness. They're out there passing their their tracks religiously. And they're doing that in a form of worship. If the pagan could do that, how much more should the believer in Jesus Christ walk in a manner worthy of God? And that's what he's saying to his audience. So, the question for us this morning is what is a life worthy of the Lord? What does that mean in your marriage? What does that mean in your parenting? What does that mean in your finances? What does that mean in your education? What does that mean in your thought life when no one else is looking, not even your spouse, and you're there alone in the dark room of your computer before you hit? Yes to that website you're going into. What does that mean to walk in a manner worthy when you're thinking bad thoughts and you shouldn't be giving room to those bad thoughts? How do you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord in your thought life, in your heart, in your emotions, in your attitudes, in, in, in just the deepest part of your soul. And that's what Paul is is taught. So, for Paul, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord is to have a personal relationship with the Lord. It includes obedience to God. It, it includes things like um, worthy of His holiness, the character of God. God is perfect, and in God, there is no darkness. Um, This has to do with an entire life, not just parts of my life, not just my life on Sunday morning, but this has to do with my Sunday to Sunday. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Has everything. God wants your 365 days a year. So, this is what he's talking about. This is what he's unpacking your entirety, your life holistically to glorify him, to follow him as our model. That's why for us it's important when we talk about in Christ because he's our standard, he's our model, he is our teacher, and we are actively pursuing him. So, this is what Paul is saying it's living in a way that will not bring reproach to the Lord. Wow. We hold such a high standard, but Christ is that standard. And again, this is the standard that Jesus um, meant for us. So, this is to be active, not passive. He wants us to get involved, He wants us to walk. So, if you like exercising, huh? This is like jogging in the morning, right? It's like walking in the morning. Like, you could walk with a strut, and that's okay. We're not going to criticize you, right? But this is, this is what he is in. Now, look at other parts of the book of Colossians, how Paul describes this. Colossians 2.6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Right? Colossians 2.6. How about Colossians 3.7? In this, in these, you too once walked, <laughs> using, using it with a negative connotation of, hey, before you used to live for the desires of your flesh. You were liars, thieves, gangsters, or you were from the west side or the east side. It doesn't matter if you were even from the south side. Once you used to walk in this manner when you were living in them. How about Colossians 4 5? Look look how he references to to walking, Uh, uh, that that Hebrew word halak, right? Uh, Walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom, walk in wisdom. He says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. He's not telling you not to walk with outsiders. I think there's something about the Bible that we've misunderstood sometimes when we think, oh, well, we have to be holy unto the Lord. We need to be separated. Here he's saying, "Walk with wisdom towards outsiders." He's not telling you not to. He's actually encouraging to walk outside with unbelievers, but walk in wisdom. right? Uh, and, and making the best use. Of the time, so so we see these things, right? Um, and, and so uh, here here's 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 a, a little bit more of that uh, technicality of the verse. When you read and you do an analysis, if you just jump back to verse six and you take verse six and you compare verse ten, look at the stark. What was that word? Uh, Tim Fogle. What was that word uh, a, a chiasm? Right, <laughs> or a chiasmus? Right. this this comparison that's going on here. But you you, you could see the stark contrast between verse 6 and verse 10. And if you look, look what verse 6 says, which has come to you. What has come to you? The gospel, as indeed the whole world, bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. That's a a key word that's going to appear in verse 10. And look, and increasing. That's another word that appears in verse 10 as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Now, now take verse 10 and look at this again. It says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, and look what it says, pleasing to him, and here it is, get ready, get ready, bearing fruit, bearing fruit. Now, now look how he's going to qualify this. Because now he's not only qualifying, he's quantifying. And look what he says. Verse 10, pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work. Don't miss this. This is very important. Again, we are not moralist. Christianity is not a religion of moralism. Some people try to make it between good and bad. But here's here's how... Paul's just like all-inclusive here. He's saying, bearing fruit in all good work. What good work does, what, is, what does he mean by good work? Well, a, a quick one, right? And, and you can read this, uh, jump in. Colossians 3.17. Hey, don't be like that husband one day that was accusing his wife to, 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 the, to the psychologist, the Christian counselors, they're like, my wife does everything wrong. The wife looked at him and says, well, honey, you only do two things wrong. And, and he, he, was, he was blown away. He's like, okay, what are those two things? He said, everything you say and everything you do. <laughs> <laughs> everything you say and everything. That, that pretty much wraps it all up, right? I mean, she was more thoughtful and careful, right? More intuitive about how she was responding. But that's what it means. Everything you say and everything that you do should bear fruit. The next time you're going to yell a holy word to your wife, be intentional. I have to live that out in my own marriage, even as a pastor, even when I'm out in the streets. Remember, uh, I hear this voice. Remember, Pablo, that could be a potential uh, member of your church. (laughs) Right? And that's what he's saying. And then, and then notice the second part, right? So bearing fruit in every good work. I think he's being, he, this isn't hyperbole here, folks. He's, he's just being very direct. He's quantifying and qualifying what he said. And increasing, here goes the increase, increasing in the knowledge of God. You want to be a good student of the text? What does knowledge of God mean? And, 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 and again, when you begin to study this, you're going to find out that God does, doesn't want you to just be filled with head knowledge. God would like you to be filled not only with the head knowledge of who He is, His Word, but He also wants you to be filled with transformational knowledge. In other words, if my orthodoxy doesn't match my orthopraxis, there's something wrong. If I say I love God because I know that's the truth, this is orthodoxy, God is holy, He's right, He's just, but that doesn't cross and live out to my human relationships, something is missing. And that's what Paul here is unpacking for us. Christianity should be something greater than what happens on Sunday mornings. What what I do when I pray or when I read the Bible, it should have some transformational application with my neighbors who are struggling with drugs, with my neighbor who's struggling with with pornography, with my neighbor who's wrestling with with finances or illnesses. There should be something there that draws them. This is what Paul is really just uh, working. So... So, he's setting for the, the the believers in Colossae five things, and I'm gonna run through these quick. First thing he's walking is walking worthy of the Lord is fully pleasing to God. Look at the first part, the second part of verse 10. We know it's fully pleasing to him. What does Paul mean by fully pleasing? You know, I, I, I would suggest, and this is no excuse for medi- mediocrity, okay? Kind of like that fold that we were talking about last week. If you didn't see it, I would encourage you to go back and, and watch last Sunday's uh, sermon. But sometimes we approach God with 60, 60% of our life. Some of us are, are, are only giving God 30% of our life. And you know what? You might might go to your mom or your spouse, and your wife might say, You know, hey, I don't want your 60%, dude. You better shape up and give me 100%. And and this is no, uh, uh, hear me clearly. I am not justifying mediocrity. But God will take that, and He wants to increase that in your life. So that your 30% would turn 60, would turn 90, would turn 100%. And you would learn to experience that. That full knowledge of God, both in knowledge that you're learning his word, you're understanding, you're comprehending it, but also you're living it out in life. Um, You talk to any good teacher and, and the teacher will say, teaching is fulfilled when the student finally grabs the concept and they apply it. That is transformational learning. They own it. They made it their own. So, I think here Paul is talking about two dimensions of this. Uh, and, and, and I borrowed this from this uh, one scholar that, that, that I love the way he, he unpacked this. Because in Paul's ethics, right, in his morality, in his, in his, in his manner, he, he says he's giving the Colossian church a crystal-elic understanding of what Jesus is in their life. In other words, here, let, me, let me simplify that in 21st century uh, uh, our jargon. In, in other words, as I always talk to my doctor when he uses all these uh, terminologies that I don't get, hey, doctor, can you please speak to me in layman's terms? <laughs> Give it to me in layman's terms. In other words, what Paul is saying is Jesus is your moral standard. The way Jesus treated others is the way we should treat each other. And that's hard for us because, again, the Pharisee, the, 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 the person who was the religious person of that day, was all like, hey, um, he told the disciples, hey, dude, your teacher, he's eating with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors. <laughs> but that was Jesus living out the kingdom of God in real time. And, and that's what he did. And then in his, in his theology Paul was really setting a vision for Christ-centeredness, this Christocentric um, uh, theology for the church in Colossae. How's that? Both our ethics and our theology should be Christ-centered. Wow. Wow. You mean, Pastor, what about evangelical Christianity? You could throw that out of the window. If you have Jesus, you have it all. And we're going to study this further as we're studying the the tension within the heresy that was infiltrating the church, the syncretism, the legalism, the mysticism that was trying to creep its way in the church. And this is what Paul was suggesting. Christ, in Christ, Colossians 119, is the fullness of the deity residing in bodily form. Meaning, if Christ is for us, uh, represents the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. What does that mean in our daily lives? And I'll say it again. Not only does Jesus live in your heart, the Father and the Spirit. Wow. Wow. And so, secondly, walking worthy of the Lord, notice this, bears fruit in every good work. That's the third part in verse 10. So what is he saying? What what is he qualifying? Well, we've established. What is every good fruit? Well, we can go to John chapter 15, the parable of the vine and and, and the branches. And and there's a big discussion about what fruit means. Some people believe fruit means internal fruits. Some people believe that it's what you do for the Lord. I think they include both. But here specifically, when Paul is addressing the good fruit, it's internal so, how do we translate that in, in, in as good, Bible-believing, uh, uh, redeemed community? How do we translate? Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, peace, joy. Sounds like a Sunday school class, right? Let's all sing together. The, the long-suffering, the patience. How about self-control? Hmm? These are the fruit. So, what is fruit? It means that when we accept Jesus, the Spirit of God implants in us a tree that's gonna grow, which is the word and the and the good works of righteousness. How do we become like Jesus? We ask the Lord to develop the physical, uh, the the spiritual fruit in our lives. And that's tough, friends, because we say we want to love God. God, could you give me more love? And he'll put the person that you least like in your life to develop love. But that's the fruit of the Spirit. How about patience, my friends, huh? Oh, 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 you know, I used to pray that, Pastor, but now I'm not going to pray for patience anymore. How about long-suffering? How about self-control? Man, these are hard qualities to practice. As a, as a, and people will tell you oh i thought you were a christian or i thought you were supposed to be like jesus when are you going to turn the next cheek right these are the things that we have to process at. and that's what he's getting at this this but notice when you walk worthy of the lord it's not that you're developing this the spirit of god is developing them in your life right third third i'm going to run through these a little bit more faster because uh, I got three more. So walking worthy of the Lord increases our knowledge on Him. Again, we have to establish this increasing of knowledge that the, verse 10 talks about at the end. It's not just knowledge. But think about this. Knowledge and obedience go hand in hand. My friends, the day is coming, and we saw it yesterday yesterday. I don't, know how, I don't know how to quantify how many people were here, but I could tell you I spoke to many people, and they were, they were curious about joining a church. And then my, my personal bias was, hey, well will come down here tomorrow at 10.30 a.m. We have da-da-da, and all of this. But you know what? This is what the Lord is saying. Knowledge and obedience go together. Uh, how do I know that? Take a look. Colossians 1.28 Colossians 2.3, Colossians 3.16, and Colossians 4.5. Look, Colossians 1.28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. What is the goal of the church? What is the mission of God? That last part, making disciples. We want you to mature in Christ. We love babies, but imagine if we said we want you to be a baby for the rest of your life. Life would really suck, wouldn't it? It would. I like being old. I love the things that, that life affords me today that it wouldn't when I was a little kid or when I was a baby. I enjoyed the, the, the fellowship. I had. So again, this is what he's says. How about Colossians uh, 2, 3? Look what it says. It says, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 2, three. How about, how about Colossians 3.16? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, not like as my kids used to say, palms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. How about Colossians 4.5? Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. There again, it's head knowledge of God's Word, but it's also pragmatic knowledge of doing life together. So wisdom and practical intelligence must go hand in hand together, mano a mano, right? Again, I'll reiterate Colossians 119, for in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Amen. Amen. So, once again, Paul draws this analogy, this, this metaphor from the Old Testament, and one great text to read again, when you have time you can read it, you can open it up now and read it, Deuteronomy 4. Uh, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. He says, see, I have taught you statues and rules. This is Moses talking to the, to the Israelites. He says, I, I have taught you statuses and, and, and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you're, uh, you are entering to take possession of it. And then he says in verse 6, keep them and do them for that will be your wisdom and ha- well, how does wisdom and understanding come? By keeping the Word of God. There it is. You keep it in the sights of people. You want to be wise? You want to be intelligent? You want to be knowledgeable? Keep the Word of God there. So that's, that's basically what he's saying there. Okay, four, walking worthy of the Lord relies on His strength and mind. I said this once, and I'll say it again. We are Trinitarian we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Look what Paul is suggesting here in the language of this text. He's saying, being strengthened, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious mind. Let that sit in your mind for a minute. Peter would would describe this in in a different way. Peter would say, the divine power that lives in you has given you everything you need for living. Paul is saying here to the Colossians, being strengthened with all power. Dunamis in the Greek is that charismatic, that what he's unpacking here, friends, is a dynamite stick. You take a dynamite stick, you light it up, and the energy that that dynamite stick, that's dunamis power. So when he's saying here, being strengthened with all dynamite power according to his glorious might, friends, this is very interesting because it's not about living right or doing all the right things. It's how we do them. Many of us have tried and we fail. We try to please God and we fail. We try to glorify and be obedient to His Word and we start off walking well and then all of a sudden we fall. But that's because we try to live in a godly way in our own strength. What Paul is suggesting here is that, hey, I want you to be strengthened. I want you to have dynamite power. But where does it come from? From God Almighty. From God Almighty. So it is that you not only go against pornography or addictions or lust or dirty fights in your life in the privacy of your own home... Take the triune God with you for you have the power of the Holy Spirit living in your life that will reveal God's word to you in due time. That's what he's talking about. And let me tell you, that changes everything, my friends. Because what I can't do in my own strength, I rely on the power of God to help me overcome my temptation. This is, this is what Paul was praying for. This is what he wanted, and this is my prayer, and this is the elder's prayer, and this is our staff's prayer for you, that you would live um, being strengthened with the power of God in your life, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your finances, in your health, and every area of your life. May you experience the power of God, his truth, his word being fleshed out in your life. Praise God for that, right? Praise God for that. So, my last thing here. Oh, I, I got to pause that. Because this, this, this one guy, this, this one scholar, really unpacked these. Uh, notice the three phrases found in this verse. Verse 10 and 11. Notice three phrases. First, he prayed this. And, and, and this author called them these three prepositional phrases. Okay, notice this. The first one, that you would be empowered with. That's the first prepositional phrase of this thing. So he said, hey, I want God that, to empower you with. Okay? Secondly, second, second preposition, that they would be empowered in accordance, in accordance with. So it's not just be, be, saying, hey, I'm going to enter this mystical thing of, oh, being filled by the Spirit, and that's it, and it's going to be. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking, be filled with in accordance of or in accordance to, right? So the Word of God, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God work hand in hand to teach us what is God's truth for our life. And third, the third preposition that you're going to find here, get a load of this one. And this one really just like, wow, it reminded me when I was a kid. And I would, and, and I would seek God with such fervor and passion. But he, this is the third prepositional phrase, that they are empowered for. God just doesn't want to give you power according to his will. He wants to give you power for. And I think this is where we struggle. Because a lot of us are afraid to to talk to people about Jesus. We don't know how to do it. But we need to understand something. We are never to do things on our own accord. This is what, what Jesus was telling his disciples. Hey, when I'm gone, don't worry. I'm going to send you the spirit of truth. And he's going to teach you to say everything you need to say. And they're all those guys are all like, but, but 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 Lord, you're, gonna, you're the one that taught. And he says, "Don't worry about it. The Spirit of Truth is going to teach you what to say in due time." Where does he get that truth from? His word, from his word. So when we are confronting trials and situations, and people are are, are struggling in life, we depend on the wisdom of God, His knowledge. And his spirit to illuminate our minds to what to say. And that's what he was saying. And finally, my friends, walking in walking worthy of the Lord develops endurance and patience. And I suggest there's a there's a there's a little ingredient there at the end of verse eleven where he says, For all endurance and patience, and get a load of this, with joy. If I stood here now, you, how many of you enjoy going through trouble? I don't think anyone would raise their hand. How does it feel going through the fire? None of us would raise our hand, including me. So why would Paul pray for all endurance and patience? And then he says, he qualifies it with joy. Have you ever met somebody who's so excited amidst cancer? Have you ever met somebody who has peace when they have financial calamity? Have you ever seen somebody who's receiving the bad news and it almost seems like they can't ever get something good news happening? And they're always living in bad news. And that person has joy? The world doesn't understand it. The carnal mind can't comprehend it. But let me tell you, him who has made the Lord his God, his fortress and his strong tower and his rock can have peace, joy, love, uh, uh, long-suffering and self-control amidst calamity. you don't believe me, read Psalm 46. God is proximate to those who are in trouble. What does that mean to you? It means that no matter where you find yourself this morning or where you're at, um, it means God is right there. And he wants to meet you at your point of your need. And he desires to have a relationship with you. And he desires... To change your life and invite you, invite you to take the next step. What does that next step mean? means perhaps you're a believer this morning. The next step is, okay, God, you're not through with me yet. My dear friends, I love you. And I love to see some of you who are older. You don't move as fast. I saw some of you with your cane and you were all like, and you're there and you know what the community saw you there and you know what that's what it's about you know why because you're teaching the younger generation that you could be old that you might lack in the physical stamina and strength but by God's grace you're there and we need you there And I love you for there, for for because you're there. And it inspires me that one day when I'm old and I'm walking around my cane and I'm doing this, that I could be there teaching the younger generation. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you say that way. Yes, you can. By God's grace, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can. I will. Though my body ache, though my arthritis kicks in, though my lower lumbar hurt me, I'm there in Jesus' name. Father, in this morning, perhaps somebody's here or online They ask and they desire to enter into relationship with you. You said that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. So if that's your prayer, both online or in person, would you say that prayer? Would you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead? Bible, biblical promises that you will be saved. Today you can be called child of God. But perhaps you're you've been walking in this journey and you're hurting and you're dragging and you're discouraged. Would you just say, Lord, would you teach me what it is? More of your knowledge, not just the head knowledge, but teach me the pragmatic transformational knowledge of your power, your strength, and your word. That I too may live a victorious life in Christ Jesus. As he said, we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. To the praise of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.